This morning we're wrapping up uh, our sermon series called I'm In. Uh, we've had, uh, this will be the fourth one and the final, fourth and final, two, two and one, fourth and final uh, in this series. And so we're excited. Next week we're going to be launching a series on the book of Colossians. You don't want to miss that. If you, if you like that song, Nothing Else, um, that is the book of Colossians. All we need is Jesus. And, and so we're going to spend several weeks just looking through Paul's letter to the church at Coloss and, and, and how he taught about Jesus as the cornerstone of our faith. Uh, this morning we're on I'm In. Three weeks ago, John Burdett came and preached a great message called I'm, what did he preach? Influential. Do y'all remember that? I'm gonna give John a big hand. He's not here, but we'll give him a hand anyway. Uh, two weeks ago, I preached I'm Invaluable, uh, a preacher named Jared Arnett, mediocre at best, so you don't need a hand. Uh, last week, Chris preached I'm Invited, what a powerful message that was, and a powerful passage of scripture, and Chris did a great job delivering it. Give him a big hand. I'm trying to get y'all clapping because I'm talking about money today, so you're not going to clap after the name of my sermon. It's called I'm Invested. And, um, and so we're going to be talking about today about our relationship with money and what Jesus taught about it. And, uh, you know, for some people, money's everything. For some people, money is nothing. They don't care about it or, or they spend their whole life fighting for it and it's everything. Uh, but what I want to tell you this morning is just that money is something, okay? It's not everything, but it's not nothing. You can't pretend like it's not there. And Jesus spent 15% of his time talking about it. Uh, so we're just going to look and see what Jesus says about it. I thought this would kind of help us set the stage in the passage. We're going to be in Luke chapter 12. Um, and in the middle of that, he begins to tell his disciples, don't worry. Uh, isn't that a good thing? Like, in one of my, this Jesus-centered study Bible in that passage, it says, Jesus answers one of the most life's essential questions in this passage in that, am I going to be okay? All right, and he says, don't worry. And he said it like this. He said, life is more than food and your body more than clothing. And like we hear that, and I think about us and our culture, and like we never really worry. We don't know what it means to really worry about whether we're going to eat today or not. Right, like we don't even get to that. He's talking to his disciples here who have left everything, left their jobs to follow him. And he's, he's, he kind of says it like he's had to say it over and over. <laughs> Y'all, any of parents in here? Yeah, our, our Heavenly Father's much like that. He realizes he's got to speak things over and over. How many times have you told your kids something? Right, and you're like, oh my God, I got to say this again. I should not have to say this again. But he said, for your body's more than food and your body more than clothing. I was reading that. I was like, this is kind of like what it means to us. <laughs> right? For our life is more than Peking. <laughs> it's funny, but then you're like, oh, wait. I can get here. I can get my mind there. Life is more than Peking and your body more than Under Armour. All right, or your, your body more than, uh, than, than Gucci or Polo Ralph Lauren. Is Gucci clothing or like purses? I don't even know. I'm not the right guy to be doing this. Um, it's more than Peking. It's more than Texas Roadhouse or El Azul. Like life is more than this. All right, and he wants to get us, he wants to get to us and share about why 
It also says in 1 Timothy, Paul wrote this, But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Pretty strong warning. Uh, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Y'all probably heard that passage or you've heard people say, Man, money's the root of all evil. And so that a lot of times they misquote it. They say money's the root of all evil. It's not what it says. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So not, not money in and of itself is the root of all evil because we know who's the root of all evil. That's Satan, our enemy. Sin in itself is the root of all evil. But the love of money, man, it can send you to some pretty bad places. It'll actually send you into ruin and destruction. So this morning as we talk about I'm invested, I was thinking back of when I was uh, right out of college and, um, and, and so like uh, hopped up about the American dream. Anybody been there? No, y'all are good. Don't care about the American dream. Uh, and I, was, I hopped up and I was at work one day and I'd taken the, my first job and, and um, my buddy came in and he had this thing called Share Builder. It was an app you get on your phone. And uh, you could start buying stocks on it. And you didn't have to have like $10,000. You could start with $100, which I could maybe scrape up. Right? Me and Beth haven't been married long. And like, I can come up with $100 and invest. Because if I was rich, right? Here's the problem with money. Uh, if you have plenty of it, it becomes an idol and it becomes your security. Okay? You think, well, I got enough money. I don't need this or that. I don't need God. Like, I can just lean on myself. And if you don't have enough money, it becomes an idol because you think, I know I got God, but if I had $100,000, all my problems would go away. And so it's easy to get into a place you either have a lot of money and you're just, like, worried, trying to make sure you don't lose it, right? You're trying to keep it. Or you don't have enough money, you're just worried, trying to get more and trying to get enough and get some. Like, it becomes an Idol. And so he, he showed me this stock. And by the stock, and we found a thing called a penny stock. And it's so cool, right? You put $100 in. I bought, let's see, I did the math here 10,000 shares for $100 of a stock called Wi Fi TV. Now, this is revolutionary in its time. Their, their idea was that you would be able to go onto a website and watch live TV. I had a thing here, right? I was like on the right track. I just picked the wrong company, all right? Like they had a good idea. And so I bought $100 of the stock. And I remember, I remember, y'all have online banking, you have an app on your phone, whatever. Like, you, tell me, is it, do you spend more time on your Bible app or your banking app? I'm talking to myself here, hitting that refresh. I remember hitting that refresh. Is it still a penny? Let me see, all day long when the market opened, is it a penny? Man, if it went to a nickel, it'd be $500. If it went to a dollar, it'd be $100,000. Oh, our life would be perfect if we had $100,000. I refresh it now, and it says six pesos or something like <laughs> The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. We're going to talk about being invested today, but I want to tell you just as a preview 
God does not care as much about your money as he does your heart. Okay? So walk with me just for a minute as we go through this passage, Luke chapter 12. We're going to look at a situation that pops up. We're going to look at a story Jesus tells. We're going to look at the solution he gives to this problem we identify. And then we're going to look at how serious it really, really is. First, Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 13. Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, Beware, exclamation point, guard against every kind of greed. Your translation might say covetousness. Y'all have heard of thou shalt not covet. That means you want your neighbor's stuff. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Here we have this situation where these two brothers, uh, the, uh, the, the, the parents have passed away and in this estate. Th this brother interrupts Jesus while he's teaching on very spiritual things and says, Hey, hey Jesus, will you tell my brother to give me what is mine? Will you tell him to divide the inheritance with me, And you see, anchored in this one brother's desire is like Jesus speaks right into the heart of it. Like, I don't care about your inheritance, but I see you're eat up with greed. And I know that the love of money leads to all kinds of evil. And so he begins speaking to him. He says, I want you to beware, buddy. You need to guard against greed in your life. And that word guard is like in the Greek. It was literally like if somebody is attacking you in a dark alley. Let me tell you, that's how greed kind of creeps in. He says, if somebody, if, I want you to guard yourself against greed like you are under attack by this thing. And he reminds them that life is not measured by what you own. The first thing you find here is that um, in this situation that money is consuming. It is consuming. It consumes your thoughts. It'll consume your heart. It'll consume your family. It'll consume your marriage. I don't know the percentage of divorces that end because of money. Like money is consuming. You got this guy here, this brother. He's sitting there listening with thousands of other people and the disciples. If you read the first of chapter 12, he's sitting there listening to the God of all creation who has come in the flesh, telling them all kinds of spiritual truths. And he's thinking about his inheritance. He is consumed with money. All right, and in our culture we live in, we are consumed with, because as soon as you mention something at the dinner table and Alexa hears you, what pops up on your phone? Like, I want you to know that you are consumed, that you are overwhelmed with opportunities to buy, to be. And, and it tells you that wealth is this, this, the, the sign of success. It is the place you can find security and lack of worry. And you can be validated and you can be cool. Who doesn't want to be cool? And then you look on social media and, and not only is it trying to sell you stuff, but you see everybody else who's got all the stuff. Don't you wish you could see their net worth, like their debt, like when you see all those things? Like you just knew, I know they're not paying cash for all that stuff. But it looks like it. Like we can put on a show. 
And we become consumed with material things and possessions. And what consumes our hearts, we watch, uh, we watch HGTV and we see the remodel. And we're like, how in the world can I put milk in a white refrigerator anymore? It's got to be stainless steel. I can't even eat in this kitchen anymore. Did you see that one? I can't do this, honey. Our bathroom is 10 years old. It's got the subway tile from then. And like, am I wrong? Is it consuming? Like it will consume your heart, your mind, your thoughts, and make you think, man, if I just had this, if it was just this way. And Jesus says, hey, an abundant life has nothing to do with possessions. Doesn't matter. It is not about that. He says you cannot find life. It does not consist in what we possess. Actually, those things can become an idol. And they are an idol. And we all struggle with it. He says, all right, I've, I've addressed this guy who interrupted me. This is Jesus. Now let me tell you a story. So I'm going to paraphrase the story because it's a lot of verses. And so he says, all right, let me tell you about a guy who's a rich farmer. Man, his crops were awesome. He got so much corn, he didn't know what to do with it. Okay, now let me come to 2022. Let me tell you about this rich business guy. He had an awesome business. Like, it was so successful. Cash was stacking up. It was like Scrooge McDuck diving into the garage. Y'all didn't watch DuckTales? He's like diving. He's just got so much. He had cash everywhere. He didn't know what to do with it. And so this guy over here, the farmer, Jesus is talking about, he says, and he had so much corn. He said, I'll build, I'll build some more barns. And all my extra, I'm just going to fill it up with these barns. And then you know what I'll do? I'll eat, drink, and be merry. Because I'll have enough, and I won't have to worry and work as hard next year. Maybe I can retire, move to Florida. I got all this cash. I don't know what to do with it. Maybe I'll invest in real estate. Maybe I'll buy some cryptocurrency. That's the new thing. Maybe I'll invest in another business. Maybe I'll just get some IRAs and CDs, and I'll diversify and get some mutual funds. And you got all this money. And I'll eat, drink, and be married, and retire, and move to Florida. This guy over here moved to Egypt. I don't know. <laughs> the farmer. He retired. Didn't want to farm anymore. And then, and then Jesus, and the story says this, but God said to him, the farmer, rich farmer, you fool. You will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? See, a person's a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. And see what happens, we begin to think this flesh and our home and our community and Pikeville is everything. And we forget that inside this flesh is a soul. Is a soul that lives forever and eternity. And we start trying to get everything that fills this flesh and feels good and surrounds us with security for this flesh. And he said, you spend all your life protecting something that's going to die at some point. It's going to be gone. And it's not going to matter. And you put all your energy into taking care of this thing. And you didn't put any effort on the thing inside of you. The thing that's going to go on for eternity. He says a person is full. So here we find that money is temporary. We find it's consuming in the situation. We find here it's temporary. Like 
This is, this is not a sermon against retirement and IRAs and 401ks. It's not what this is about. We find it's temporary. We also find that it's controlling. Consuming is one thing. It's all in your minds, but then it begins to control you. It controls the decisions you make. It controls your calendar. It controls uh, your life decisions. And in Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said this, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. The, the, the question to ask yourself is to say, do I have money or does money have me? Am I managing my money or is it managing me? Have I let it get out of control? And this is not, I'm just, I'm not talking to people with extra. I'm talking to every single person here. Wherever we are on the income, if we don't have a dollar, then we're just consumed with if I only had a dollar. All right, I want you to see that the heart here is not that money in itself is evil. It is not wrong to have wealth. I'm not asking you to, to vow a life of poverty, okay? But I'm also not saying a prosperity gospel that says people who are wealthy have been blessed by God because they've lived right. Right? I'm not promising you if you do this or that, you're going to multiply and, and God's going to bless you and, and fill up your barns. He can do it. I'm not promising he will. I'm, I'm telling you, we've got to get our arms around our heart and how it relates to money. And so we got the situation. we got this story he tells us that reminds us, you know, money's temporary. It's controlling. See, this guy, it controlled what he did. He decided to build barns. And then, thankfully, because in all this, there's problems, Jesus steps out and he gives a solution. A solution. In Luke 12, 33, he says, Sell your possessions and give to those in need. Nobody liked that solution. This will store up treasure for you in heaven, and the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it, and no moth can destroy it. His solution for this problem we have in life, how we put ourselves on guard against greed, he says it very simply, very plainly. He says, give. He says, give. You don't have to give it all away. This is an illustration here. You take the context in the New Testament. He's not saying if you're a real Christian, you won't own anything and you'll live on the street. He's talking about the heart. You can absolutely do that and do it for the wrong reasons with the wrong heart and think you're checking a box and, and it not please God, okay? This is not about the money, <laughs> But he's telling you, if you're consumed, if you're feeling controlled, if, 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 you're, if, if you're feeling like you've, you see in your life that you've made money everything, he said, let me give you a little secret. And this is just Jared giving life secret, believer, not a believer. You want to relieve the power and the control of money in your life, give some away. 
Like that, if it's a dollar, if, that's a, if it's five dollars and that's a stretch for you, no matter what your budget is, if you're in college, if you're wherever and you get some money, give some away. It sets a precedent to set your heart in the right place and guards and protects you against every kind of greed. He gives us the solution. It's not about a financial return. It's about spiritual growth. It's about protecting your spiritual relationship. It's not about tax shelter. It's about spiritual renewal. It protects the heart. It draws others to Jesus. I'm not giving you a percentage. I'm not telling you this isn't a sales pitch for New Beginnings Fellowship Church. Very easily could have been. I looked up a lot of I'm invested money sermons and listened to notes and read notes and listened to sermons. And they were a lot about... If you just give 10% to the church, okay? I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm not saying it's right. I can tell you it can become as legalistic as anything else we do, and you can think you're just fine because you give 10%. So do you give 10% off net or gross? I mean, you want to get real serious about it and think the percentage is what makes God happy? It's not. It's the heart in which you give. Somebody could give five, and it'd be more than enough. Somebody could give 10000 and not even feel it, and it's not enough. Like, it's between you and God. What I'm asking, what I'm saying, because I don't care about your money. God has blessed us here. He's continued to bless us here. We've never had to preach. If you don't give 10%, you can't be a member. Like, we don't have to preset. God provides where he's working and moving, and he's always done it. That's why I'm here today. That's not why I'm here today. Why, why this message is important, because God doesn't really care about your money. He cares about your heart. This is why this is so serious. Because he says this. He says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. This is why this is so serious. Because money will distract you. You think back to this brother. And if I was Jesus, I'd be like, man, what are you doing? I'm trying to, I've been talking to you. And you couldn't even hear me. Like I was, I was given these great spiritual truths about, about how to serve God and love your neighbor. And I was telling you all this stuff. And you interrupted me to ask if you could get your inheritance. Because you are so consumed and controlled by money. You cannot hear what I'm trying to say. It's got your heart. It's got your actions. It's got your dreams. And she says, I want your heart. I want you to love me first. And when you think about this example, we kind of saw like in real time happen uh, this week. Because um, where we want to get to in life is this mindset about giving. Is that our first instinct is to give and help. Not to say, well, do they deserve it? Have they checked this box? Have they this? Have they, has it gone through this process? Like, uh... Because the giving is not just for the person. It actually protects you as much as it helps them. So we were, we were praying. We got this message Thursday night about a family. Um, oh, my gosh. It's almost noon. I'm sorry. We're going to be like 1210. Just call Texas Roadhouse. Tell them to move your reservation. Or Peking or wherever you're going. Thursday night we got this message. Uh, said a family needed... Um, 
what they asked for specifically was tents and outside bathrooms. It was a family up on Elkhorn Creek, and they um, uh, and I got this message and call from Christian Appalachian Project. They don't work in Pike County, so we've built a relationship with them. And she called. She said, we have this request. Could you just go check on them? So I messaged in our little outreach group that um, um, Beck has been helping with. Um, and I messaged in that and said, hey, we got this request. I screenshotted the email and sent it and said, could you all check on them? And also, let's be praying for a camper. And I was thinking... Like, this family, is, it was a married couple. They have six kids, one on the way. Uh, the kids are staying with different people. Um, and it was just like, can you go check on them and see what the situation is like? So Thursday night, we prayed for a camper. I started looking, and I asked a couple people, asked around, and I thought, how are we going to find a camper right now, really? Because, you know, we've raised maybe $8,000 in our flood relief, fund, flood relief fund here at the church We've probably given back 2,500 of it or so at this point. So I was thinking, I think one family, maybe a couple thousand dollars, we'd buy these, this family a, a camper. And we just buy and give it to them. So I, we were looking for that. So we get here Friday morning. We're meeting upstairs, me, Chris, and Beck. And we're thinking about where can we find a camper. And we're, guess what we all start doing? Trying to leverage our own networks and connections. Oh, I know a guy that owns a camper lot. I know this person. I know that person. Who can I call? And while we're doing that, God rings our phone. Literally through the ring doorbell out here at the front of the church. And uh, Chris and I look at, you know, we get on, we look, say, who is it? We didn't recognize the person. We came downstairs, both of us, and we came to the door. And he said, hey, I saw uh, my pastor sent me a screenshot that y'all were looking for a camper. And he said, I've got a camper. Beck was on the phone, I think, with a camper lot or somebody to call a camper lot trying to get them. And so Chris called her and was like, hey, I think we have a camper. God just gave us a camper. And so he told us a little bit of the story. Uh, it actually was up at Jenkins at his sister's place, and it got a little bit of water in it, not a lot. And he said, I had somebody bring it down here. It's over on Ratliff Creek. Uh, he said, it needs cleaned up. He said, I'd really given up on it at this point. I thought... You know, I'll probably just take the TVs and stuff out of it and yard sell it for a few hundred dollars. And uh, I said, well, how much would you take for the whole thing? He said, $500. And I was like, we need to go look at this. <laughs> so, you know, water in it. You think, I don't want to give a family a flooded camper, you know, so let's go look at it. So we drive over to Ratliff Creek, and this was not on my schedule for Friday. I'll just say, neither one of us, like, it's kind of why this sermon's... It was supposed to be my sermon study time, prep time, Friday morning. So, so we go over and we look at the camper, and it's not in bad shape. Like, we were blown away, and it sleeps eight. And it's, he's already cleaned half of it up, and he's like, I'll just leave the TVs in it. So here's a refrigerator. Here's the stove. Here's this. And we were like, I think we could clean this up. And so we said, all right, let's do it. He started telling me the story. He said, I lived in this camper for a couple of years. So I was homeless. A family helped me get this camper. I want you to follow this path of giving. Somebody gave so he could have a place to live. He now has an apartment and working. 
I don't know, the camper's probably worth $5,000, $7,000. I don't know, it's worth way more than $500. And then he says, my car broke down, and I found somebody that I worked for sometimes, and they had this old Jeep, and he let me have it for $700, this Jeep. And he was driving a Jeep, and he said, I'm so thankful for that. God provided in just a tremendous way. And so we came back, and I said, Chris, I said, I know he asked $500. I think it would be really good for us to buy that Jeep for him. So he asked 500. I'm like, let's just give him 700 for the camper. So we gave him 700 for the camper. We went and got it, pulled it down, cleaned it all up. And so by Thursday night, we were thinking, where are we going to get a camper? Friday afternoon, about 4:30, we got this thing attached to my truck that's never hauled anything like this. And I'm wondering if we can make it to Elkhorn Creek. <laughs> And we head up 23, and we pull in to a family that we've never met before. We'd gotten on the phone with them, and we talked to them. We said, we're bringing you a camper. Can you imagine bringing a, a new baby home to a tent? And so we pull in, and there's three homes there on the piece of property. They've lost everything. They've gutted their trailer and double-wide stuff is gutted out, and they're ready to kind of start building back. And one of the houses has water and power, and... Some of them are staying in it with the grandmother. And we pull in, we set it up, we get it connected, and we get it put together, and the kids are like, Mom, I've missed your cooking. <laughs> like, so excited to see a stove. I mean, this thing had dishes in it and cookware. Like, it was really, it was pretty crazy what God did. And so we, we get it hooked up, and I, the guy lost the title, and he was going to order another one. So I, they were setting it up, and they were looking through it. The kids were running through it. They were so excited, and I was telling the the, the mom and the, the grandmother, I was like, we're going to, it'll take us a week to get the title, but we'll get it to you. And like their face totally changed. They thought we just brought it like for them to use. And I said, no, we're giving this to you. God gave this to us and he's giving it to you. And like, I'm talking real life, real world, Jesus being as real and relevant as you can imagine. They said, this means all of our kids can catch the bus Monday from the same place. That's how God works. They tell you how greed works. Let me tell you about your pastors. Chris and Jared, we're driving this thing back and we're like, man, that's a good deal. Yeah, I, I'm not lying. Like the thought entered our head, we should just let her use it, and then the church could keep it, and then our families could use it when we need it. Like, um, this is the threat of why you have to be aware and on guard against all types of greed. We said it jokingly, but somewhere deep in our broken hearts, Somewhere deep in your broken heart, you're thinking, I'm glad they got that camper, but man, 500 bucks, I wish I'd have known. <laughs> Here's why. Here's why. Because Jesus set this example better than any of us ever can. Only he did it perfectly. He told us, he said, seek the kingdom of God above all else and he will give you everything you need. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness 
to give you the kingdom? He has given you an eternal kingdom for those of you who put your faith in him and trusting in him. He, he says, you're afraid to give. I gave you the kingdom. You're afraid to, to do this or that. I've given you the kingdom. I've, it gives me great joy. It gave me great joy that while you were a sinner, while you were broken, messed up, all you cared about was yourself, I went to a cross and gave my life. I died for you. While you should have been my enemy, I left a throne in glory. Like my, I, I found it easy to give up my seat in glory to be a servant. To come and know what it felt like some nights to not even have a place to lay my head. That was Jesus. He said, I've given you the kingdom. I've taken care of it all. As we bow our heads, God, um, we thank you <clears throat> that you set the example of giving. God, I'm so thankful that in our response and obedience as we give, God, it makes you known to people who wouldn't know you otherwise. God, we pray that, that as we practice giving in our own lives, whether it's to the church or our neighbor or nonprofit or wherever we practice it, God, that it would not be in a way that we want to do it publicly, that it would not be in a way that we want to do it to build up our own ego, that we, we would not do it just for ourselves, yet we would really do it. And as we give, be reminded and experienced of all that you gave that you would protect ourselves against the desire and the dream for more. God, so that we could be focused on your kingdom that you've already given us. God, and if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, I pray you would just invite them in. That is so simple. <clears throat> that they would know you gave it all. That in the power of the resurrection, when you came back to life, you conquered death. So that while this flesh may die, our soul, our spirit, we have the opportunity to live in eternity. That whosoever believeth upon him, not whosoever sells everything and gives right and goes to church and does all stuff and, and creases their khakis just right. and all, not, That has nothing to do. That's whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. For that we celebrate today. God, we just pray you draw our hearts back to you. And realize that we need nothing else. God, I'm sorry. For the times you've been speaking. And I've interrupted. With my own agenda. That I've been like the brother. Who's totally missing everything. Because I was consumed with the wrong things. God, thank you for the freedom that you give in your son. And it's in his powerful name we pray to set us free to save whosoever. That name is Jesus. Amen.